anyone's ever had a drum line on their Chris at their Christmas service before, so that was that was awesome. Thank you guys. I think Ashley stayed up last night making all of those drums too, so there's probably a coffee shortage somewhere today. No, no Folgers in TR tonight. Man, we're grateful to see everybody today. Um, I, like we've been talking about over the past several weeks, uh, we love, I love Christmas. It's been, uh, it's been so much fun just kind of getting ready for this season, and I think the, you know, as far as the, you know, the parenting part of it, like it gets more and more fun for us every year with our kids because they're, they're catching on and they're enjoying it. Um, and it's been fun for us to go through Advent as a family and just as a family here and as a family at home. And uh, just if, if you haven't been with us over the past several weeks, uh, we've just kind of been walking through those four weeks of Advent. We started with just this, this idea that because of Jesus, he brings hope and then he brings peace, he brings joy. And today uh, we're going to look at, at probably the biggest gift that he brings us this season. And that for me, that's been the way that it's kind of revolutionized my way of thinking about Advent, like looking at these, these four ideas that we get to celebrate this during this time of the year, and we even talked about last week, like if, if we really exemplify the type of joy that Scripture represents, um, this one month will carry the gospel almost for the, the next 11. And not that we're letting people off the hook for what we do with it, but if we do it well and we celebrate well, um, it will have just great implications. But looking at each of these is like the biggest gifts that God affords us as a result of Jesus. Um, it's really easy during this time of year to, from a an orthodoxy perspective to try to find something new about Christmas. Like I think there are tons of pastors around, around the country this morning and they are stressed out because they're trying to find something to talk about at Christmas that they've never talked about before. You know, they're trying to take the, the majesty of Jesus and add to it in some way. But, but the thing that I've been allowed to do and that God has given me the, just the, the place to sit is that, man, we don't have to dress this story up at all. Like, you know, we don't have to change it. We don't have to find a new wrinkle because it's already crazy. I mean, it's crazy to think, like, to recap, like, starting off even from the passages that we read, thinking that, that 700 plus years before Jesus was ever born, uh, in the book of Isaiah, and we see it in Micah too, just like the intricate details that were given about the birth of Messiah, like how he would be born, where he would be born, who he would be born to, what it would look like, and then we can even flash forward a little bit to know what it would look like when he would die. All of these things were talked about 700 plus years before he was ever born. So miracles started well before he even took his first breath in that manger. And then we see the, the way that he was born. We talked about it a little bit. You see our main accounts come from Matthew, which is kind of the broad account. Luke, we get a few more details. Uh, but we see that, that angels appeared to Joseph. They appeared to Mary. They appeared to Elizabeth. And, and that's miraculous. I mean, just the miracles started way before he was ever born. And then this morning, here's my goal. We, I just want us to look um, and think as well as we can just about the majesty of what occurred. Just the majesty of it. And I don't know if that word lands on you, but like just this, man, this innate sense of a royal happening that we can't understand and it should bring us awe. It should bring us wonder. It should do all of those things. And so if you have your Bibles with you, um, open to Luke chapter 2. It's also going to be up on the screen if you don't. Uh, if you have a Bible and need one, there are several on the table back there. You're more than welcome to walk out with those. Uh, there's no Walmart tag that's going to beep when you walk out. Um, so you can take those. Maybe you haven't been brave enough to go into Walmart this season, but I, we've ventured over there at least once, and man, that's nuts. Don't, don't do that. That will ruin your Christmas. Uh, so Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 19. I'm going to pray, and uh, 
And today, again, the goal, not to find something new, not to find something that you've never heard, but just let's listen well to, to what transpired, what took place, and think about what that means to us today. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, we thank you for the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that we are afforded as a result of Jesus. Uh, that is offered to us by grace through faith that can be realized at salvation and can be continued through sanctification. God, thank you for doing a work that we could not. Thank you for Jesus, God. Thank you that because of him, all of these things are possible. Um, not only can we be known by you, but we can know you and we can be known uh, by family. God, thank you for that. God, this morning as we look at this, this most uh, amazing story in history, God, I pray that we would look at it and it would. It would bring awe to us. It would bring wonder uh, to our hearts. And God, it would cause us just to, to ask a couple really deep and important questions. Um, and Father, I pray that your spirit would already begin working uh, in our hearts to push us to a place that we look more and more like uh, your son. God, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So Luke chapter 2, verse 1, says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. That was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all were to be, would, went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, verse 8, there were shepherds out in their field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them or marveled. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and as it had been told to them. And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So such an amazing, amazing order of events to occur that had been talked about for hundreds of years coming and and people of Israel the the Jewish people they had been waiting they had been waiting with great anticipation um, but they were waiting for something very different from this they were they were waiting for like fireworks to be on display for all the people but in reality what happened is it was only a few a few people that got to see the majesty a few people that really got to see the glory it started in a very humble way. It was just they were going for uh, registration or for like the census that was decreed by the government. They got there, and Mary, she goes into labor. She's like, it's time. Baby's coming. And the way that we generally look at the story, we see Mary and Joseph, and we see them walking up to the inn, knocking on the door, and we see the stern innkeeper say, there's no room for you. And most of the time, we get caught up here, and we're like, man, was it a cave? Was it a stable? Was it someone's living room? What was it? Were there animals? Was it really hay? What was it? It doesn't matter. 
Like it doesn't matter. The fact is, the angel had appeared to Joseph. He said, yes, this woman who you've promised yourself to and has promised herself to you, she's pregnant. Don't, don't let her go. Trust me. It's God's child. And he said, okay. The angel appealed, appeared to Mary, said, you're going to have a child, and it's not going to be just a child. It's going to be Emmanuel. It's going to be God with us. It's going to be God with skin on. It's going to be all of those things, so don't be afraid. And then they find themselves, and the time is here. And they get to this podunk little town called Bethlehem. Because it was, it, you know, I've told you, it's a lot like Possum Kingdom probably. Like middle of nowhere, backwater, probably no stoplight, a store that no longer functions or sells anything. Because that's what we grew up with. A volunteer fire department in which the fire truck burned to the ground in the driveway. Not kidding, seriously. And that's where they find themselves. And they go to one place hoping just to find a spot to lay down and give birth. And they can't. And so they find the only thing they can. The king of all to be born like this. It's crazy. The miracles continue. And then in verse 8, it says, in the same region or in the general area, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Like shepherds of all the people, for God to make known what was happening, he chooses shepherds. Like, I don't even really want to make a comparison to modern-day shepherds, what they would look like. Like, if you Google modern-day shepherds, you'll see clean-cut people in, you know, in Pakistan or Afghanistan watching their sheep. They're way cleaner now than they were. Like, shepherds would probably be third-shift oil rig workers is probably my best. And I don't know any of those people, so I'm not insulting anybody that I know. I don't even know if they do third-shift on the oil rig because that's probably dangerous. Um, but it would be like third-shift oil rig workers. Their language would be bad. Their smell would be bad. Their look would be bad. Everything would be bad. You would not take them home to meet mom and dad. You, would not, you wouldn't want to be near them, but God chose to make known everything, the majesty that was going on to those guys. Like just imagine like if you were a people that were waiting for a Messiah, that you were waiting for the government to rest on someone's shoulders, you wouldn't expect him to be born like this. You, would, you wouldn't expect him to be announced like this. You would expect trumpets. You would expect all of those things. You would expect a, a red carpet and a baby to be laid on it. You would, you would expect all of these things, but not Bethlehem and definitely not the announcement to go to shepherds. But it did. It went to shepherds. And it says, the angel appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Of course they were. And the angel said to them, fear not, behold, I bring you good news, the best news of great joy that will be for all the people. We talked about that last week. And it says, for unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign. You'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. He'll be laying in a manger. Cave? I don't know. Barn? I don't know. They knew, and they found him. And then it says when they, you know, right before that, it says there was a, a heavenly choir and they were just singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And it says they went. They went, they found him. Um, and when they found him, they just began to, to tell Mary and Joseph everything that they had seen. Everything. And it says that they were all filled with great wonder. They marveled at what they were hearing. But it says Mary, and I love, I love verse 19. It says, but Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Like for us, this time of year, it's easy for us to hear a story. It's easy for us to tell a story. It's easy for us to, to think about all the images that we have seen of clean-cut Joseph and perfectly calm Mary. And it's, it's easy for us to see great shepherds that no one would be afraid of, but in actuality we would all be very afraid of. It's easy for us to think these things. But Mary, she's sitting there and she's like, all of these things are too good to be true. I just want to hold on to them forever. Like for us, man, this story is to be treasured 
inside of us and is to be something that we ponder for eternity. It's an amazing story. And it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. When I'm reading a, a narrative in Scripture, I think one of the things that's good for me to do, and um, it's good for me to ask, like, if I was going to be a character in this story, or if I was going to be an individual in this story, who would I be? Obviously, I, I wouldn't be Joseph, you know, and that wouldn't be me. I, I, I couldn't be Mary. That'd be pretty difficult. Definitely not Jesus, definitely not the angels. And so for me, and I'll give it away for you, that leaves the shepherds. So crazy similarities between us and the shepherds, even though we've already talked about them in such derogatory terms, like if we're thinking in the grand scope of things, the eternal scope of things, like if we're going to be someone in the story, we're, we're the shepherds. You know, because they, societally, they were pushed off, they would work at night to watch the sheep when no one else wanted to. You know, they would, they would do the dirty work, they would clean the sheep, they would tend the sheep, they would chase the sheep, they would clean the sheep, they would feed the sheep, and they weren't even their sheep, they were being paid terrible wages to do it. And as a result, they really weren't the best of the best. So societally, that was them. But like spiritually, if we want to be honest, like that's us in relationship to God. Like we are as far removed from God, if not further, than shepherds were from the rest of proper society. Like as a result of God being holy, 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 righteous in all ways, perfect in all descriptions of the term, like we're like shepherds. We're just, I mean, the way that we're born, our sin has made us like that. We're those. That's us. Here's the other crazy similarity. God chooses to reveal himself to the most unlikely candidates. Like if you think, like God choosing to reveal the glory and the grandeur and, man, the majesty of everything that was occurring, he chose shepherds. And maybe it's even more crazy to think that he chooses sinners to reveal his majesty and his glory to. You know, granted, we're all there. Romans, you know, just reminds us frequently that there's none righteous, not a single one. We are all flawed by sin, but it's the sinners that God chooses to reveal himself to. It's the sinners that God chooses to show his majesty to. We're like the shepherds. And in some ways, if you think about not just the most unlikely, but they were probably the most ill-equipped as well to give the message of majesty. There were probably people that were far better speakers. There were probably people that were far better teachers. There were rabbis who had been trained before they had curly sideburns to convey the message of God. That was their job, but God didn't choose to reveal his majesty to them then and there. No, he chose the shepherds, the unlikely, the ill-equipped. And so they have this great experience they're struck by glory, like struck by glory. It wasn't of their doing. It was of God's doing. Um, and here's the, man, here's the beauty of the unlikely and the ill-equipped and the shepherd being far removed. The very first thing they did, the very first thing they did without even being told is they said, we need to go. We need to go. We need to go and see what we've just heard about. You know, we talk about disciples in the term of a disciple is someone who has been called by Jesus to follow Jesus, someone who has been called by Jesus, not just come follow me, but I'll make you, someone who's being transformed by Jesus, and then come follow me, I will make you, make you fishers of men, someone who is on mission with Jesus. I think the shepherds were doing it well before the disciples, to be honest. Like, if we think about that, they were, they were following the idea and going to find Jesus 
Um, they were already being willing to leave. Like, they left their sheep. It didn't say that they took their sheep with them. They left their sheep, their livelihood, just to go and see. And, and in the midst of it, I have to believe that they were being changed by Jesus as well. Like, even before they met him. Like, there was something in them that was being changed because they had to see. But not only did they have to see, they had to tell. They had to tell. They had to say that today, in this place, is born the Savior of the world. And when they got there, that's all that they could do. They, they had to tell, and the Scripture even says, um, and when they, uh, it says, and they went in haste, found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger, and when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told them concerning the child, and all who heard it. So all who heard it, probably not just Mary and Joseph, probably everybody that they passed. They're like, hey, did you hear what happened? You're a smelly shepherd. I don't want to hear anything. Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. They told all. But no one told them to. See, I think when we're really struck with like, and this is the difference between hearing a story and like hearing a story. Like if we just hear it with our ears, we're not very prone to repeat it. But if we experience the story, the majesty, even without being told, it has to come out. It has to come out. And these shepherds, man, I really think they were behaving as disciples they went and they just, they just had to tell. And so we see an order in the, in the shepherds. It says they were struck with glory. They saw it. They heard about Jesus. They weren't giving any directions. The very first thing is they did. They left. They said, let's go. They went to see. And I believe their worship began there, like maybe even on the way. Because they were going after the idea. They were like, man, the Savior is born. We're going to go see. And then as soon as they got there, they began to tell. They began to tell everyone that they met, all, all encompassing. They began to tell all. And then, man, after that, it says... After Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, in verse 20 it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen that had been told to them. And then I think their worship just continued. Their worship continued all because an amazing story was conveyed to them. They heard it, they experienced it, and they went after it. Man, for us, if Christmas is just a story, if it's just a time of year in which the decorations change, in which the lights change, in which we, we buy gifts, it's just a story and it will go no further. But the fact is, Jesus didn't come. Here it is, man. Jesus didn't come to give us a story. He didn't come just to give us the, he didn't even come just to give us the best story ever told. He didn't just come to that. No, like John 3, 16 and 17 is like the tail end of a story that Jesus is telling Nicodemus, a guy that was very devout, and he's trying to understand what does it take for him to have eternal life. And Jesus is laying it out for him. He uses metaphors, and then he uses Jewish history. And then in John 3, 16 and 17, he just tells him this. He's like, look, your father, God, loved the world so very much that he gave his only son, me, so that whoever may believe would have everlasting life. And me, that guy, that son, didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but he came into the world to save the world. Jesus didn't come to give us the greatest story ever told. Jesus came to change hearts. He came to change hearts because he realized that if he changed the heart, the story would follow. The story would be told. It would be repeated. If it's just a story, it goes no further. But if God has completely, radically changed your heart, and there's an amazing story to be told. And just like the angels who said, I bring you good news or the best news of great joy that is for all people, that's what rests in a changed heart. 
That story rests in a changed heart. It's the story of Jesus. It's the story of the gospel, the best news, but it's also the story of how the gospel changed you and affected you and completely reshaped you. And that story comes out like hiccups. They're awesome. And so here's the question this Christmas, and it's not, man, it's not complicated. Is your heart different because of Jesus? Like your debt, is your debt different because of Jesus? No, I mean, that, that's Christmas. But really, like your heart, is your heart different because of Jesus? Like truly different. Because a different heart tells a story. A different heart repeats a story. A different heart without being told tells a story. But the greatest thing is Jesus did tell us. As he grew up and as he, as he matured and as his ministry came to fruition, he did tell us. Even though the shepherds didn't have to be told and even though a ton of other people we see in Scripture, they didn't have to be told. Like the woman at the well, Jesus never told her to go and tell people what you've seen and heard, but she did. But then Jesus does leave us with instruction because he knows that we're a stiff-necked and stubborn people. He says, go. Just like the shepherds, tell Make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded to you, and, and don't worry, I'll be with you through it all. If our heart is changed by Jesus, there will be a story, and it's the greatest story ever told. Do we tell it? Man, I think this Christmas, every Christmas, affords us the ability um, in our culture that's really not in a post-Christian place. It's still, it's still not quite there yet. We have the ability, the opportunity to share this story with numerous people in numerous places over and over. We get to do it all year, but during this time of year, like we've talked about it, and we'll, we'll talk about it frequently, it's just, it's just easy right now. It's easy. Find a way, pray for a way, ask for the Spirit to involve you in a way so deeply that this season is not just about the rigmarole, like my mom would say, but, man, it's about the story. The story that Jesus changes everything, including you, including me. Man, Jesus came so that we could be the whosoevers. And man, that's good. That's so good. So that we could be the whosoevers. And if you are, there's a story. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. Um, God, we thank you that Jesus uh, causes a change in us that is not just about behavior, but it's even about how we got here, who we are, what we're going to do, and who we are to, to become. It's the story. God, thank you that this greatest story ever told, God, it's, um, it's not just a story. It's not something that just rests on pages, but God, it changes the hearts of men and women, and it's faithful to make us more like your son. God, I thank you for those that are sitting here this morning whose hearts have been changed by the gospel, by the good news that the angels spoke of, God, that is uh, reason for great joy among all the people. I thank you for the transformation that you've made in them. And God, I thank you for those that are sitting here who can honestly say that my heart has not been changed by Jesus. I thank you that they're here. God, I thank you that the gospel can be re made real to them, and I pray that your spirit would do that. God, I thank you for the conversations that you will bless us to have as missionaries for your, uh, for your good news this season. God, I pray as we're sitting around the dinner table with our family, I pray as we've, we've had office parties, numerous office parties, God, I pray that the story has come out, and I pray that you're doing great things with it. God, I thank you for Jesus. 
I thank you that the gift of love that you displayed through him is the greatest that we could ever imagine. And God, and it's the greatest thing that we could ever give away. God, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.